Section 3 of Holidays at Roselands. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Melanie May. Holidays at Roselands by Martha Finley. Chapter 3, Part 1. Revenge, at first though sweet, bitter ere long, back on itself recoils. Milton's Paradise Lost. Tis easier for the generous to forgive than for offense to ask it. Thompson's Edmund and Eleonora. The last day of the old year had come. The afternoon was bright and warm for the season, and the little folks at Roselands were unanimously in favor of a long walk. They set out soon after dinner, all in high good humor except Arthur, who was moody and silent occasionally casting an angry glance at Elsie, whom he had not yet forgiven for her refusal to lend him money. But no one seemed to notice it, and for some time nothing occurred to mar their enjoyment. At length, some of the older ones, seeing that the sun was getting low, called to the others that it was time to return, and all turned their faces homeward, walking more soberly and silently along than at first, for they were beginning to feel somewhat fatigued. They were climbing a steep hill, Elsie and Caroline Howard reached the top first, Arthur and Harry Carrington but a few steps behind. Elsie stooped to pick up a pebble, and Arthur, darting quickly past her, managed to give her a push that sent her rolling down the bank. She gave one frightened cry as she fell, and the next instant was lying pale and motionless at the bottom. All was now terror and confusion among the children. The little ones, who all loved Elsie dearly, began to scream and cry. Harry, Lucy, Carrie, and Mary rushed down the path again as fast as they could, and were soon standing, pale and breathless, beside the still form of their little companion. Carrie was the only one who seemed to have any presence of mind. She sat down on the ground, and lifting Elsie's head, laid it on her lap, untied her bonnet strings, and loosened her dress. Jim, she said to the black boy, who stood blubbering by her side, run quickly for the doctor, and you, Harry Carrington, go for her father as fast as you can. Lucy, crying won't do any good. Haven't some of you a smelling bottle around you? Yes, yes, here, here, quick, quick, oh, Carrie, say she isn't dead, cried Mary Leslie, diving into her pocket and bringing out a small bottle of smelling salts someone had presented her as a Christmas gift. No, she is not dead, Mary. See, she is beginning to open her eyes, replied Carrie, now bursting into tears herself. But Elsie opened them only for an instant moaned as if in great pain and relapsed again into insensibility so like death that carrie shuddered and trembled with fear they were not more than a quarter of a mile from the house but it seemed almost an age to anxious carrie before mr dinsmore came although it was in reality but a few moments as harry ran very fast and mr dinsmore sprang into the carriage which was at the door some of the party having just returned from a drive the instant he heard the news calling to Harry to accompany him, and bidding the coachman drive directly to the spot with all speed. The moment they were off, he began questioning the boy closely as to the cause of the accident. Harry could not tell much about it. She had fallen down the hill, he said, but he did not see what made her fall. Was she much hurt? Mr. Dinsmore asked, his voice trembling a little in spite of himself. Harry did not know, but feared she was pretty badly injured. "'Was she insensible?' "'Yes, she was when I left,' Harry said. Mr. Dinsmore leaned back in the carriage with a groan and did not speak again. 
In another moment they had stopped, and flinging open the door he sprang to the ground and hurried toward the little group, who were still gathered about Elsie just as Harry had left them, some looking on with pale frightened faces, others sobbing aloud. Walter was crying quite bitterly, and even Enna had the traces of tears on her cheek. As for Arthur, he trembled and shuddered at the thought that he was perhaps already a murderer, and frightened and full of remorse, shrank behind the others as he saw his brother approach. Elsie still lay with her head in Carrie's lap. Hastily pushing the others aside, Mr. Dinsmore stooped over her, sorrow and intense anxiety written on every line of his countenance. Again Elsie opened her eyes and smiled faintly as she saw him bending over her. "'My precious one,' he murmured in a low, moved tone as he gently lifted her in his arms. "'Are you much hurt? Are you in pain?' "'Yes, Papa,' she answered feebly. "'Where, darling?' "'My ankle, Papa. It pains me terribly. But I think I must have hit my head. It hurts me so.' "'How did she come to fall?' he asked, looking round on the little group. No one replied. "'Please, Papa, don't ask,' she pleaded in a faint voice. He gave her a loving, pitying look, but paid no other heed to her remonstrance. "'Who was near her?' he asked, glancing sternly around the little circle. "'Arthur,' said several voices. Arthur quailed beneath the terrible glance of his brother's eye, as he turned it upon him, exclaiming bitterly, "'Yes, I understand it all now. I believe you will never be satisfied until you have killed her.' "'Dear Papa, please take me home and don't scold poor Arthur.' pleaded Elsie's sweet, gentle voice. I am not so very badly hurt, and I am sure he is very sorry for me. Yes, darling, he said, I will take you home, and will try to do so without hurting you. And nothing could exceed the tenderness with which he bore her to the carriage, supported her in his arms during the short ride, and on their arrival carried her up to her room and laid her on the sofa. Jim had brought the doctor, and Mr. Dinsmore, immediately requested him to make a careful examination of the child's injuries. He did so, and reported a badly sprained ankle and a slight bruise on the head, nothing more. "'Are you quite sure, doctor, that her spine has sustained no injury?' asked the father anxiously, adding, "'There is scarcely anything I should so dread for her as that.' "'None whatever,' replied the physician confidently, and Mr. Dinsmore looked greatly relieved. "'My back does not hurt me at all, papa.' I don't think I struck it, Elsie said, looking up lovingly into his face. How did you happen to fall, my dear? asked the doctor. If you please, sir, I would rather not tell, she replied, while the color rushed over her face and then instantly faded away again, leaving her deathly pale. She was suffering great pain, but bearing it bravely. The doctor was dressing the injured ankle, and her father sat by the sofa holding her hand. You need not, darling, he answered kissing her cheek. "'Thank you, Papa,' she said, gratefully, then whispered. "'Won't you stay with me till tea-time, if you are not busy?' "'Yes, daughter, and all the evening, too, perhaps all night.' She looked her happiness and thanks, and the doctor praised her patience and fortitude, and having given directions concerning the treatment of the wounded limb, bade his little patient good night, saying he would call again in the morning. Mr. Dinsmore followed him to the door. "'That's a sweet child, Mr. Dinsmore,' he remarked. "'I don't know how anyone could have the heart to injure her, "'but I think there has been foul play somewhere, "'and if she were mine, I would certainly sift the matter to the bottom.' "'That I shall, you may rest assured, sir. "'But tell me, doctor, 
Do you think her ankle very seriously injured? Not permanently, I hope. Indeed, I feel quite sure of it. If she is well taken care of and not allowed to use it too soon. But these sprains are tedious things, and she will not be able to walk for some weeks. Good night, sir. Don't be too anxious. She will get over it in time. And you may be thankful it is nothing worse. I am indeed, doctor, Mr. Dinsmore said, warmly grasping the hand the kind-hearted physician held out to him. Everybody was asking what the doctor had said and how much Elsie was injured, and Mr. Dinsmore stepped into the drawing-room a moment to answer their inquiries, and then hastened back to his child again. She looks glad to see him. My poor little pet, he said pityingly, you will have a sad New Year's Day fastened down to your couch, but you shall have as much of my company as you wish. Shall I, Papa? Then you will have to stay by me all day long. And so I will, dearest he said, leaning fondly over her and stroking back the hair from her forehead. "'Are you in much pain now, darling?' he asked. As he noticed a slight contraction of her brow and an almost deadly pallor around her mouth. "'Yes, Papa, a good deal,' she answered faintly. "'And I feel so weak. Please take me in your arms, Papa. I want to lay my head against you.' He raised her up gently, sat down at the end of the couch where her head had been, lifted her to his knee, and made Chloe place a pillow for the wounded limb to rest upon. "'There, darling, is that better?' he asked, soothingly, as she laid her head wearily down on his breast, and he folded his arms about her. "'Yes, Papa, but oh, it aches very much,' she sighed. "'My poor little daughter, my poor little pet,' he said in deeply compassionate tones. "'It is so hard to see you suffer. I would gladly take your pain and bear it for you if I could.' "'Oh, no, dear Papa, I would much rather bear it myself,' she answered quickly. The tea-bell rang, and Elsie half started up. "'Lie still, dearest,' her father said. "'I am in no hurry for my tea, and you shall have yours first, and I will hold you while you eat it. What will you have? You may ask for anything you want.' "'I don't know, Papa. Whatever you please.' "'Well, then, Aunt Chloe, go down and bring up whatever good things are there.' and she can take her choice. Bring a cup of hot tea, too. I think it might do her good tonight. Thank you, dear Papa. You are so kind, Elsie said gratefully. When the carriage had driven off with Mr. Dinsmore and Elsie, the rest of the young party at once turned their steps toward the house, Arthur sulking in the rear, and the others eagerly discussing the accident as they went. Arthur pushed her down. I'm sure he did, said Lucy, positively. I believe he hates her like poison, and he has been at her about something the several days past. I know it just by the way I've seen him look at her. Yes, ever since the morning after the Carlton party. And now, I remember I heard his voice talking angrily in her room that very morning. I went to get a book I had left there, and when I tried to get the door it was locked, and I went away again directly. But what has that to do with Elsie's fall? asked Mary Leslie. Why, don't you see? It shows there was some trouble between them, and that Arthur had a motive for pushing her down, returned Lucy, somewhat impatiently. Really, Mary, you seem quite stupid sometimes. Mary looked hurt. I don't know how anyone could be so wicked and cruel, especially to such a dear, sweet little girl as Elsie, remarked Carrie Howard. No, nor I, said Harry. But the more I think about it, the more certain I feel that Arthur really did push her down for I remember distinctly where she stood, and it seems to me that she could not possibly have fallen by herself. Besides, 
It was evident enough that Arthur felt guilty from the way he acted when Mr. Dinsmore came, and when he spoke to him, but perhaps he did not do it quite on purpose. Oh, exclaimed Mary, I do think I should be frightened to death if Mr. Dinsmore should look at me the way he did at Arthur. Looks can't hurt, observed Terry wisely, but I wouldn't be in Arthur's shoes just now for considerable, because I'll venture to say Mr. Dinsmore will do something a good deal worse than look before he is done with him. When they reached the house, Lucy went directly to her mamma's room. Herbert, who was more ailing than usual that day, lay on the sofa, while his mamma lay at his side, reading to him. They had not heard of the accident, and were quite startled by Lucy's excited manner. "'Oh, mamma!" she cried, jerking off her bonnet and throwing herself on a stool at her mother's feet. "'We have had such a dreadful accident, or hardly an accident either, for I feel perfectly certain Arthur did it on purpose, and I just expect he'll kill her some day, the mean, wicked boy!' and she burst into tears. "'If I were Mr. Dinsmore, I'd have him put in jail, so I would,' she sobbed. "'Lucy, my child, what are you talking about?' asked her mother, with a look of mingled surprise and alarm, while Herbert started up, asking, "'Is it Elsie? Oh, Lucy, is she much hurt?' "'Yes,' sobbed Lucy. "'We all thought she was dead. It was so long before she spoke, or moved, or even opened her eyes.' Herbert was crying, too, now, as bitterly as his sister. "'But, Lucy, dear,' said her mother, wiping her eyes, "'you haven't told us anything yet. Where did it happen? What did Arthur do? And where is poor little Elsie now?' "'Her papa brought her home, and Jim went for the doctor, and they're doing something with her now in her own room, for Pop said Mr. Dinsmore carried her right up there. Oh, Mama, if you had seen him look at Arthur!' "'But what did Arthur do?' asked Herbert anxiously. "'He pushed her down that steep hill that, you remember, you were afraid to try to climb the other day. "'At least we all think he did.' "'But surely he did not do it intentionally,' said Mrs. Carrington. "'For why should he wish to harm such a sweet, gentle little creature as Elsie?' "'Oh, Mamma! exclaimed Herbert, suddenly catching hold of her hand, as he grew very pale and almost gasped for breath. "'What is it, Herbert, dear? What is it?' she asked in alarm, for he had fallen back on his pillow, and seemed almost ready to faint. Mamma, he said with a shudder, Mamma, I believe I know. Oh, why didn't I speak before, and perhaps poor little Elsie might have been saved all this?' "'Why, Herbert, what can you know about it?' she asked in extreme surprise. "'I will tell you, Mamma, as well as I can,' he said, and then you must tell me what I ought to do. You know, Mamma, I went out to walk with the rest the afternoon after that party at Mr. Carlton's. For, if you remember, I had stayed at home the night before and gone to bed very early, and so I felt pretty well and able to walk. But Elsie was not with us. I don't know where she could have been. She always thinks of my lameness and walks slowly when I am along. But this time they all walked so fast that I soon grew very tired indeed with trying to keep up. So I sat down on a log to rest. Well, Mamma, I had not been there very long when I heard voices near me, on the other side of some bushes that I supposed must have prevented them from seeing me. One voice was Arthur's, but the other I didn't know. I didn't want to be listening, but I was too tired to move on, so I whistled a little to let them know I was there. They didn't seem to care, though, but went on talking quite loud, so loud that I could not help hearing almost every word, 
and so I soon learned that Arthur owed Dick Percival a gambling debt, a debt of honor, they called it, and had sent this other boy, whom Arthur called Bob, to try to collect it. He reminded Arthur that he had promised to pay that day, and said Dick must have it to pay some debts of his own. Arthur acknowledged that he had promised, expecting to borrow the money from somebody. I didn't hear the name, and it never struck me until this moment who it was, but it must have been Elsie, for I recollect he said she wouldn't lend him anything without telling Horace all about it, and that, you know, is Mr. Dinsmore's name, and I have found out that Arthur is very much afraid of him, almost more than his father, I think. He talked very angrily, saying he knew that was only an excuse, because she didn't wish to do him a favor, and he'd pay her for it some day. Then they talked about the dead again, and finally the boy agreed that Dick would wait till New Year's Day, when Arthur said he would receive his monthly allowance, and so would certainly be able to pay it. Now, Mamma, concluded Herbert, what ought I to do? Do you think that it is my duty to tell Arthur's father? Yes, Herbert, I do, said Mrs. Carrington, because it is very important that he should know of his son's evil courses, that he might put a stop to them, and, besides, if Arthur should escape punishment this time, Elsie may be in danger from it again. I am sorry it happened to you rather than some other person who overheard the conversation, but it cannot be helped, and we must do our duty always, even though we find it difficult and disagreeable, and feel afraid our motives may be misconstrued. Herbert drew a deep sigh. Well, Mamma, must I go just now to tell him? he asked, looking pale and troubled. Mrs. Carrington seemed to be considering that matter for a moment. No, my dear, she said, I think that we had better wait a little. Probably Mr. Dinsmore will make an investigation, and perhaps he may be able to get at the truth without your assistance. If not, as this mischief is already done, it will be time enough for your story tomorrow. Herbert looked a great deal relieved, and just then they were summoned to tea. End of Chapter 3, Part 1 Recording by Melanie May